clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Doc, I told you, there's always drama. It follows me wherever I go. (laughs) You see all this drama that's happening with the show I'm in right now? It's my juju. I'm telling you. I saw it. I saw it. I feel, I tell you, I I can't, I I thought this was going to be like, you know, I'm just chilling. Yeah, I've been reading the art. I've been reading the articles about it, and I'm like, Jeremiah, what did he do somehow? (laughs) And we are back, folks. Yes, it is that time of year again, summertime. So the Doc's got shirtless Jeremiah in a hot studio. You're welcome, Doc. Are you drinking it in? Drink um, it I've in. actually just, you know, like moved my notes up high enough that I can only see your neck. So I'm really not looking at <laughs> Your loss, Doc. Your yeah. loss. Well, everybody, we hope you are all doing well. It's good to be back in the swing of things. It was so great to talk to my dear and close personal friend, Dr. Leo. I love me some Dr. Leo. He just, he makes me so happy. And he's also like a no-nonsense kind of guy, which I really love. I love, yeah. my favorite thing is when I say something, he kind of rolls his eyes like, oh gosh. Like, and I, so I just want you to know, Dr. Leo, I appreciate you putting up with me because I think you're a boss. He, like when Dr. Leo rolls his eyes, like get away with that. But like when I do it, it's like a problem. Because Dr. Leo and I have something special that cannot be touched. <laughs> okay, okay. That's what it is. You and I are just colleagues. Okay. That's well, all. That, that's how it goes, Doc. Well, that was well, that was hurtful. But well, uh, truth but maybe, hurts. Maybe, truth hurts, Doc. Like to, well, it seems like today's topic then will be apropos for you and I to do some healing. <laughs> We're gonna do some healing together, and I'm so here for it. Okay, I'm ready for it. Don't forget, folks. Announcements about announcements. We've got the Amy book. It's out there. Autumn, Karen, and myself. Amy book one. There's gonna be a book two. Check it out. Enjoy it. And uh, of course. Don't forget to always call in on our number, 917-382-0653, or hit us up at contact at universityofpleasure.com. Tell us a happy story, or a could have been better sex story, or just shoot us a little, how you doing? We love to hear from our fans from all over the world. And uh, yeah, man, things are rocking and rolling. It's like dead middle of summer, and I'm feeling frisky, and I'm ready to like, as soon as we're done, Doc, I might do a little night swimming. Good think? for you. It's a classic REM song as well. Good night for you. Night swimming deserves a quiet night. Wow, you held that one back. Like that one. Wow. Actually, no, that was funny enough. First CD that I ever got. REM mm. automatic for the people. First CD I ever that I ever bought with my own money was Green Day Dookie. Ooh. So that was one. the first one. And the first CD I was gifted that I requested with my first CD player was um, Counting Crows August and Everything After. Well done. Well done, both of those, Doc. Do you have the time? You know what that's really, (laughs) isn't that song about masturbation? Isn't that what it's all about? I don't know, actually. I I think it is. I was like 11. (laughs) (laughs) I probably wasn't really, I was 11 and grew up Catholic. I probably wasn't tracking that, Jeremiah. (laughs) Well, hey, listen, I'm a little bit older than you, but not by much. I was 14 when that album came out, freshman in high school. I remember it well. I was like, yeah, that one was one of those songs. It like sticks with you. It's like, it's one of those things that takes you back in time. Anyway, we don't need to go back down memory lane here. Yeah, this Let's is not a jump music podcast. In. We got a classic episode today. We're doing a topic here. And uh, I think this is going to be a good one. And we're going to find ways to heal together, Doc. And here we go. Apologies aren't magic. 
finding the action in making amends. Okay. I'm yeah. here for this. Okay. I don't make mistakes often where I need to apologize. But every once, like when, you know, the moon is in retrograde, I may make a mistake, hurt someone's feelings, say something improper, which I know for our audience is should very... Should we get your, should we, should we get your wife on and just... She's like... very busy today. Uh, she, she couldn't, oh, she, she's oh, not, okay. she's not available, but uh, she would track everything I'm saying is 100% mm -hmm. in air quotes truth. Okay, so... Yeah. <laughs> at some point, I feel like at some point I'm going to fact check this, but all right. <laughs> I don't, we don't need to do any fact checking here, okay? And this is just, you have to take my word for it. And uh, I very rarely make mistakes. And the point was that when I do apologize, I feel that I'm making amends properly, but I think you're going to probably tell me otherwise here. So let's kind of jump in. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about this because it's apologies. Like there are these things that seem really simple in theory, right? Like people will be like, just say you're sorry, but it's often a lot more complicated because sometimes like either the way somebody says there's says they're sorry or because of like maybe what happened like and maybe the behaviors that follow and i'm sorry like they just don't land right the right. way that people are looking for also like just because you say you're sorry doesn't now magically mean that the other person's distress like disappears um and but i think that's... that depends on the apology because my apologies are so clean that like i feel that it wipes it away like jesus of old like or like in Star Wars, these are not the droids you're looking for anymore. You know what I mean? So why don't you help the folks who don't have that magical okay. ability? Okay. Um, well, let us briefly imagine that perhaps even you and I could use some work on our apology skills. Because I would describe everything I'm about to talk about as advanced. All okay. right. And okay. And somewhat difficult, like to a certain degree, whenever you talk about like, like apologies, there's a little bit of it that seems no, kind of like no, duh, right? Like, of course, right? right? However, I don't even know, I couldn't even begin in the thousands of sessions that I have had with people talking about like, just shit apologies sure, <laughs> that, they, sure. that they feel like they've received or someone's apologized, but they're just still not feeling resolved around an issue. Right. Um, I've done tons of couples therapy where I'm watching someone try to apologize and it's not landing. And so I think that it is something that is much easier than theory sometimes than in practice. Okay. So I actually broke this up today in two parts. Okay. Ooh. So the first part I've been, I, put work in right i'm like well you know, your COVID brain COVID. yeah i was gonna say your COVID brain is uh, out the door you're back to almost 100 percent here let's hit yeah, it i i so uh you know i'm not gonna lie i still might wander a bit but that's just generally me. i was gonna say but... that's no different than any than non-covid you <laughs> so yeah I know. so the first part is how to construct a good apology Okay. Mm -hmm. Or at least I'm hoping um, a more effective apology and just some tips. And again, there's lots of different opinions on this. Mine is only one. Um, but the other part, the second part is after the apology, right? Okay. Like okay. after the words have been spoken, what are some things that can make the, the apology resonate, sustain, okay. right? And have the meaning that you want it to have. I okay. think I can fix this right now. So when you, you know, the, the... I want to, we're going to do a super cut of all of the really complex things that I've said over the years. And then you going, I think I can fix this right now. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I'm just that good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Proceed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Well, what I'm, what I'm saying is like, so if you say you're sorry, like, you know, sorry should mean you don't do it again. Right. Isn't that kind of like the first step in like an I'm sorry, like self-help chicken soup for the soul kind of thing? Like <laughs> if you say you're sorry, that means you're not going to do it again. Right. Uh, I mean, that would be overly simplistic. Right. Because sometimes people don't even know what they're saying sorry for, which is the first point. On, thank you, Jeremiah, what which is the first point of my part one. OK. Of how to construct of how to construct a good apology. Number one. Know what you are apologizing for. Okay. <laughs> okay. This sounds inane, but also is a very real thing. A lot of times when people apologize, um, not always, right? Some people really get it. 
they really get what they're apologizing for. And some people just want the conversation to end. Sure. Right. And, or they like, don't want the conflict. And so there's a whole boatload of I'm sorry's that are like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. And they're saying it before they really mean it. Right. And they're saying it before they really even uh, understand why the person is upset. Okay. And what that can do is make an apology feel really empty. So one of the first parts of apologizing is before you're saying you're sorry, actually spending a little time to try to, we talked about this when we were talking about like uh, Greg came on, right? And we were talking about um, different ways to have like difficult dialogues. I think it was like um, the one about like not being wrong or right, right? Getting out of the- Listen, I gotta be honest, when Greg comes on, you don't really care for my opinion. So I zone out <laughs> a little bit more than normal. So I don't remember. We want you were engaged in that one. Was and I? I, always want you I don't and I remember. Always, and I always want you engaged when Greg's on. <sighs> okay, fine. All right. Um, but um, and if I have made you feel upset when Greg comes on, I'm really sorry about that, Jeremiah. That's okay. That just means you're not going to ever do it again because you said you were sorry. We're See how I did that? See how I we're going to get. <laughs> more complicated part all right okay so um part of the step one right one of the things that we my whole point in that is one of the things that we reference is this idea of like reflective listening right okay. so usually in order to like know what you're apologizing for you really need to be patient and try to understand it and not just think you understand it literally confirming with the other person so you are hurt or you are upset because of whatever right mm -hmm. okay. and like actually make sure you get why they're upset and I really mean this and I mean this strongly. And if you don't feel sorry about it, I wouldn't encourage you to say you're sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 right? of course like, it does. I, because a lot of times, this now is to your point, Jeremiah, if you're apologizing for something that you don't actually care about, you are probably gonna engage in that behavior again because you know, like an apology should be something that actually has some meaning to you. Right. And to just sort of be like, ah, yeah, 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 I'm sorry. I don't want to talk about this anymore. If you don't want to talk about it anymore, find a different way to exit that conversation. Yeah. Just don't say you're sorry if you're not really sorry, just so you can get out of continuing to talk about what it is you're trying to figure out you're sorry about. Yes. All um, right. Because it, it will come back and bite you again. Right. Yep. Like yep. when you do the same thing or like when the same dynamic occurs and then your partner is going... We talked about this and I thought you got it. Well, maybe you got it, but maybe you legitimately, you know, didn't care. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that, uh, and, and, and that's more about like, okay, how can you have an online, ongoing dialogue about that? We live in this culture of I'm sorry. It's almost this like, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, know, of course we do. That? Yeah, of course. And you know who does it better than any other culture that I've ever experienced, which hmm. is the British culture. They say, I'm sorry for everything. There's like, a, a, sorry is a question. Sorry is like, there's so many versions of I'm sorry in England. It's amazing to me, but we do live in a culture. So look, for instance, it'd be like, if I, if you said something that was cute and be like, sorry, like there's like a question, like, sorry. And then there's sorry, like, sorry, I'm confused. And then there's sorry for like, you know, like, all right, I don't want to get into the weeds here. <laughs> I'm just saying that there's a lot of I sorry's in England. You know, I love you people. You're my people. Anyway, the point is, I'm with you, Doc, and we live in a culture of I'm sorry, which I think is probably different than what I'm explaining. So why don't you explain that? Yeah. So like what I mean by that is, is um, we really um, like there there is this uh, sort of um, way that we often speak or like ways in which you're talking more about like um, linguistics. Right. right? And right. ways that people That's might it. That's speak. The word. Yeah. Um, I'm talking more about like, and, and to a certain degree, not always, sometimes there's also maybe some gender components of that. Like when you look at research, women are more apt to maybe sometimes apologize for things because they feel like they're supposed to. Sure. That's not every woman. I want to be very clear. I'm talking about some trends. Like, so for instance, um, you know, some of that is a little bit learned behavior, maybe from certain family things where people feel like they had their like if there's even any minor mistake or someone might be upset with them, they feel like they have to apologize, even if they don't really feel all that sorry. So for instance, I'm going to give you a very good example. All right. I love a good a few, example, Doc. Few, I love a good I'll one. Use, I'll use myself. Right? <gasps> a few, Ooh. yeah. So a few, a few years ago, um, someone observed to me that I apologize way too much. And I was like, take it back. And I was like, no. <laughs> 
And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, that's real. That's real fair, right? That's that Midwest polite sort of upbringing. Sure. And so I am um, very lactose intolerant, as are you, Jeremiah, but yes. you choose to ignore it. I, I um, don't, I refuse to believe that that's an actual thing. And I will have pizza tonight just to spite it. Right. You know, it's and like now, a kid like not doing his homework to the teacher. See, I don't care. Shove it. And it, the only person that's really hurting is me. But I'm aware of that. And I've apologized to myself and made peace. So continue. Great. So um, when someone made this observation, I was, you know, like I started paying a little bit more attention to it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like everything, like every email. I'm so sorry to bother you. Like, you know, just like all these like when and where I started noticing it most was like at Starbucks. This is where the lactose intolerance comes in. Right. So I used to I, I love a matcha latte. Just oh, love one, all right? sure. OK. And um, I would often get one at Starbucks and oh, people are working real hard. I get that they're real distracted, but at least 50% of the time mine is made with, I usually get a milk substitute, right? right? Like whatever. Like it's almost just comical how often it is made with actual milk. And I can't right. drink actual milk. I'll get quite sick. Right. Yes. And so whenever it was happening, I would be like, I'm so sorry, but really I need, and like this like long arduous fucking thing. Right. And then I would, you know, give it back. And I was like, I really need to get a handle on this. And I was doing it in other areas too. And so I decided like, I'm just going to start with Starbucks. Okay. Okay. And so what I did at Starbucks was the first time it happened again, or I decided I wanted to work on this. I, instead of being like, I'm so sorry. I was like, Hey, mine was supposed to be, and it's like almond milk, um, but this is real milk. Um, can you change that for me? Thank you. I really appreciate it. So I was trying to express, and it's a tip I got from someone expressing gratitude over apology. Right? There you go. Well done. Right. And so you can always be, you can still be respectful, right? Yeah. Without necessarily. But part of the reason, like it seems like such a simple little thing, but it, 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 I will tell you the first few times I did it, it was one of the most uncomfortable things I've done. <laughs> Why? Because I, everything in me was like, I need to apologize, right? Like we are, a lot of us are very, it, it felt like I was leaving something at left unsaid or I was right. horribly rude, right? Right. And so a lot of us, and it depends on our family systems and kind of maybe the cultural context with which we've grown up, but a lot of us have been really trained to kind of like do a lot of like, almost like, I'd call it like compulsive <laughs> apology. <laughs> gotcha. and, and sometimes we do that in our um, romantic sexual relationships as well, because we're just so trained to kind of do that. But we well, don't really clearly, actually mean doc, it. you have been cured because I don't no. remember the last time you've apologized to me for anything. I literally so, just did it about 45 seconds. Ago. I don't recall. I don't recall. <laughs> So to okay. me, unless I check back the tape, I don't I don't believe that it okay. happened. Well, you can do that when you're editing and you will hear my apology. Too. <laughs> um, anyway, so we are all we we can be a bit compulsory in it. And, you know, that can cause problems sometimes, even though maybe it is not coming from any kind of malicious place. Um, so my second tip in constructing a good apology. So the first one is know what you're apologizing for. And if you're going to apologize, you should actually feel sorry. Okay. Right? Like and it, so, it should have it should have some meaning, not yeah. just be compulsory because it seems like it's what you're supposed to do. Because often that'll round back and bite you in the butt, especially if it's something meaningful or okay. important to the other person. So what's number um, two? Keep it simple. All right? I like simple. What, <laughs> people often can get very over-explanatory in their apologies, right? Okay. And so like. I'm sorry, but, right? I'm sorry, but here's why, blah, 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 blah. But in doing so, even though they might feel like they're explaining, it often, especially if the person's upset, just sounds like justifications. Gotcha. Right. It just okay. sounds like somebody's making excuses or justifications. And so a lot of times, right, the timing for that explanation is off. So I'm, I'm not saying that a person should never get to, like, explain why they and that can't even be useful but we've talked a lot in this podcast timing is everything yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah right and so a good apology often is making it about the other person not you and when you get really lost in your explanation and your reasons for doing a thing especially when someone's standing in front of you and they're hurting or they're having a hard time they maybe aren't ready for your explanation or frankly they don't care yeah but guess what 
they might care later after they felt heard, after you gave them a nice apology where it really felt like you were listening to them and making it about what they were saying that they were feeling, maybe on a walk the next day. Like, hey, I, I just wanted to circle back to what we were talking about. And I, yeah, and I, and did I, wanna... I do love the walks, Doc, a good neutral walk. That's love a it. lesson we learned here at the University of Pleasure. Don't be locked in a place if you're having a serious discussion. Go on a walk. Go on a walk. It's neutral. You can have the conversation while you're walking. Yeah, I, I remember, yeah. Doxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that can be good or, you know, if you are for whatever reason you can't, like, but just you you can re revisit it, right? It's yeah. not like you get one chance to do this or usually you don't unless it's a stranger and then it's probably not the complex thing that I'm making it right now, right? Yeah. But if this is, although I will lie, if you hit a stranger's car, they're going to be less mad at you if you don't make excuses and just say, I'm really sorry. Right, right. <laughs> they might still not be as gracious as you want them to be. All right, what but, else we got in this R's? Yeah, so timing, timing's important, all right? Okay. So you can come back, but doing that in the moment is, is maybe sometimes not always helpful. Uh, as I said, apology should be about the other person, not you. So one thing then that can also become important rather than just like getting lost, uh, just as getting lost in your own explanations is uh, managing your defensiveness. So it is a very common response when someone says they're hurt and for people to defend themselves. Sure. I mean, of course, of course they yeah. do. I mean, you know, if you're hurt, I mean, okay. I'm sorry, I'm not going to jump in here. You're on a roll. Keep going. No, but please. Right. Like, so have you ever notice yourself when someone gets upset with you have a defensive reaction and if you have jeremiah what does that look like it has been uh i get very frustrated i get because you know the very few times it's ever happened in my life <laughs> um but you know I, I i get a little bit defensive like i i that was certainly what i not what i meant that's certainly you know you took it the wrong way of course like there's always like this you know it's like ah you know, kind of a mm -hmm. react. Am I, am I, I mean, that's what I have yeah. experienced. Yeah. Right. Like, so different people might be defensive in different ways. Like that's a really good example, right? Like getting really irritated or agitated because someone's upset. Right. Or like getting upset with them for being upset. That's right. right? Why that's are you being real, so upset? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that's really common. And a lot of times it's just because someone feels out of control. Right. And they feel like that's not something they want to happen. And then it triggers their own sort of you know, sense of anxiety in some kind of way or just sense of distress. But uh, um, a real key phrase to pay attention to is if someone's saying they feel hurt and your immediate reaction or hurt or upset and your immediate reaction is, well, you dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and like, do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I'm, right? I'm with you. Right. When you when you try to explain to somebody something you're upset about and then they immediately like, well, you just did that last week. Right. Or will you do that all the time? Yeah. Why would you suppose, Jeremiah, that that's not a very effective way to begin an apology? Uh, well, I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, you're not getting anywhere constructive if you're repointing the finger back at somebody and, and doing a tit for tat. It's not going to help you in any way. Am I am I kind of close to the mark here? Doctor? Yeah. I mean, it's a really common mechanism around how people like sometimes engage with conflict and that's a really like that's like that's deflection right like mm -hmm. when someone's like hey i felt really hurt this well you did this to me will you will you right or whatever like that kind of response is that kind of deflection then takes away from that person and maybe they did but maybe you needed an apology then and they did a nice job of apologizing to you and you did it right so now right your turn <laughs> but or if that's a legitimate resentment you have, bring that up at another time. There you go. There you go. Have a discussion about that at a different point in time. Right. And again, everything I'm saying, like, is really actually very easy on paper and very hard to do when you're feeling emotionally dysregulated. Right. It's because like when when I say this is like, yeah, you know, don't do that. But then when we're amped up and we're distressed, it's actually pretty hard sometimes to remember to do these things, which is why this is a skill. This is a practice. Got to work at um, it. Yeah. So that is why a big piece of this also, in terms of some of the things that can help with a good apology, is regulating your own emotions, right? Mm. It, and sometimes this work is more than just in the apology for someone. Some people really, really struggle to regulate their emotions. If you're listening and you know that when someone gets upset with you, you are immediately upset, 
that tells me that you might need some more practice at being able to regulate your emotions during conflict. Right now, when I say immediately upset, I don't mean like immediately feel some distress. I mean, like you're immediately like agitated or irritated or angry, or you almost feel like you can't tolerate that. And you lash back, right? If you know that you kind of lash back at people, this is a, there would be more skills, right? Like you might need to find some better ways to manage your emotion, right? You might Mm -hmm. need to do, depending on how extreme it is, maybe you need some help with anger management, depending on maybe it's just, you need to like, uh, get some more calming skills, right? Some more breathing skills or do mm-hmm. some mindfulness activities, right? There's all sorts of dere- all sorts of like regulation skills. And that's not what this episode's about today. Maybe we should do one on regulation skills, but all sorts of calming skills that people can I like do. that. Putting that in the notes, Doc. Putting that in the notes. Yeah. Um, if I may, Jeremiah, because yeah. you are somebody, you've talked about it on previous podcasts. You talked before in the past about like, finding ways to get a better handle on like anger responses. I feel like in previous podcasts, yeah, yeah, yes, uh-huh. I'm not mm-hmm. making For that. Sure. Nope. What are, what are some things that you did in the past that you would say have been useful? Uh, well, uh, so for me, it was taking time, taking time to know, to know when I'm getting so angry and, and frustrated and upset is to take time away to actually process the information and re come back around and revisit. Uh, it's specifically if we're talking about like apologizing. Like knowing mm-hmm. that my anger response is not going to it's it's going to be detrimental to whatever the conversation is that I'm having, having at that moment in time and to take time and say, hey, you know what? I'm very upset and I need to stop and I need to process and I need and then I will we can come back around when I'm not so angry and frustrated or feeling this level of aggravation or frustration, which can be anger. Right. And then, you know, we can revisit it like you've taught, go for a walk, talk it out after I'm no longer mad. The other thing is just to be aware of the anger meter, like when I'm feeling it starting to come up, like just like feeling yourself, you know, like you were standing in a room and and somebody was turning up the temperature and you're feeling real hot and you're getting hotter and hotter and you feel like, ooh, I'm close to that pop, you know, is to stop is to stop and go, you're getting upset. You need to dial this back. You need to take a minute. That, so mm-hmm. that's, those are some things that I do. Right. Well, those are good ones, right? Like, so those are some really good examples. And actually, I, I'm happy that you, especially the first one, right? Like, um, sometimes it's really hard to take timeouts. And sometimes even as a partners, we can make it hard for our partner to take a yeah, timeout because we're us. like, you're abandoning me. Right. I do really quick have some rules for timeouts that sometimes help with that piece around abandonment. And like, I think it's incredibly important if somebody is not in a good emotional space to have a dialogue, especially if you're asking for an apology or like you need to be heard, whether it's an apology or not, you just need to be heard by somebody. And they're like, I am not in a place to hear you. It is not in your best interest to hold them hostage in that conversation. Right. Like it is not in your best interest to let somebody get more. So it's kind of like, Trust the other person if they're like, I need a break, let them take one. Usually what I recommend for the person that's needing to take the break is give a concrete amount of time that you'll be back, right? So if you need to go on a walk, right, being like, I will be back in an hour or we will revisit this in 15 minutes. I usually tell people try not to do too long. And now if you come back in an hour and you're still not ready to talk about it, okay, then maybe you need 24 Let's talk about this tomorrow at that time. This yeah. only works if you actually follow through with that. Yeah, you got to follow through for sure. And I, I got to say, like, for me, it's like, just, I, I got to go to bed. Like, I got to go to sleep. I got to sleep on it. I got to just, I got to, I got to, and that's usually my process is like, if I'm really upset, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to, I got to stop. And I can't talk about this for 24 hours. Like, I need to, I need to really sit and, and sit mm-hmm. in it and think about it and process it. And I'll always come back because I don't like leaving things like, just left hanging, you know, like the olden days yeah. when couples would really fight and, you know, then they just ignore each other for five or six days and then never talk about it and pick right back up. It's like, that doesn't seem quite healthy. <laughs> so Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So exactly. I mean, I think that that's a really good example, Jeremiah. And like over time, people will trust that you're coming back after your timeout if you always come back after your timeouts. There you go. <laughs> you know there I mean? you go. Like, people, sometimes it's hard to believe in the beginning when people are trying a new skill, but they'll come back. If, you know, like people will trust it, but you got to take advantage of it. But I also say from the other end, let people take their timeouts. If they need it, it will benefit you. Um, but I will say another thing that happens when I say regulate emotions, one of the things that we usually think of is the anger response. 
But sometimes when someone is seeking, remember when I said earlier, like, don't make it about you? Yeah. Sometimes people really have like what's called emotional flooding. Okay. In which they kind of almost have shut down. Right. Mm. So like they almost like shut down. And now the person that's like seeking support or like is feeling hurt is like having to like caretake them. Mm. Right. Or like try to draw them out. If you notice that someone, if you know you shut down, like also needing to communicate, like I need a timeout. Right. Or I need more time to process this. Let me come back to it, you know? And because sometimes when people shut down, like then it, it communicates that it looks like someone doesn't care. Mm. When in like reality, they're having like a whole kind of, it's a, you know, in, in an anxious response, fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. It's a bit of a freeze Got response. It. Someone's anxiety overwhelms them and they just kind of get that. Um, the other sort of thing there is sometimes when I, this is the don't make it about you part. Sometimes people will go over the top in their apology you're right. I'm just the worst person. I'm the worst person in the world. I'm such a piece of, you know, whatever, right? Like, and we'll just go over the top. And that is not a helpful way to apologize. Any, Jeremiah, any sense of why that would not be useful? Well, <laughs> well, it doesn't, well, first of all, it doesn't seem genuine. And it seems like if that were to be, it, it also doesn't seem like it's a real apology when people do that. When it's so over the top, it, it's like, uh, it feels it feels disingenuous. It's the only way I can. Yeah, and, and it's sometimes it can feel really disingenuous, and then it also puts the other person in a position to now be taking care of you. Oh no, you're not. Like I don't sure, think that about you. Sure. And so then they never get the apology. It's actually a really nice way to skirt. Oh, trickery! I didn't even think of that, Doc. That's why you're right? the Doc. Yeah, and now don't get me wrong. A lot of times people aren't really doing that consciously. I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, but. If you're listening and you know that you might be someone that does that, that's another sort of maybe signal like, hmm, there's some emotional regulation, right? Like you, you, this is kind of taking me to my final part of part one here. A good apology usually requires taking responsibility, right? That's and so right. taking responsibility often means that you got to eat a little crow. Yeah, right? you do. You got to eat it. Listen, sometimes right. I've, I've made some mistakes, okay? I can tell you one time I was doing a show one time, Doc, and- you know, I didn't have a great relationship with this person in the show. And, uh, you know, I tried real hard to be friendly and be friend like just like, but this person wasn't having it for whatever reason, just wasn't my fan, which is shocking. I know <laughs> to our millions of fans out there, but they weren't a fan of mine. Okay. And really I, I was hurt by that and I tried really hard to overcome it. And then there was this thing when I was kind of like egged on a little bit as a long time ago and. They had like drawn some pictures and I thought they were mocking me. So like I did something as like a, yeah, get back at you kind of a thing. I was wrong. Okay. I was wrong. I hate it. I hated that I was wrong, Doc. I hated it. I wanted, because this person didn't like me and I was hurt and, 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 you know, but I literally had to go up to them and say, hey, I just want you to know what I did was wrong. It was, unex I should not have made that joke and I shouldn't have said what I said. There's no excuse. I was, I was, man, it was tough eating that crow duck. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Today, even thinking about it right now, it gives me a little bit of angina because I was like, ooh, you don't, I, yeah. ah, but I was wrong and I ate so, it. Yeah. And so that's, but that's a good apology, right? Like to take, to take responsibility often, like there's a difference between just saying like, I'm sorry, versus being like, I'm sorry, I realized what I said was really hurtful. I didn't handle that situation well. I didn't mean to hurt you. That's a much more expansive apology, right? Where someone's maybe trying to take more responsibility, right? It's kind of vague, but depending on what the circumstance is. I mean, the one thing to, that I think is always, and we can take a break in a second, but the one thing that I think is always uh, like tricky to remember, but very important is that like, that's like emotional stretching that eating crow, what you talked about yeah. like, and stretching and stretching is uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Like when you, when we stretch literally our muscles, it kind of hurts and yeah. it's kind of uncomfortable. That's why I don't believe it, in it. <laughs> it's, and it's the same when we stretch ourselves emotionally, okay. it's going to be uncomfortable and it might even hurt a little bit. So. Yeah. That example I gave you, that one hurt. That one definitely hurt, but you know what? It was the right thing to do. She deserved that apology, that person. And, uh, you know, sometimes apologizing, man. It, it yeah, sucks. but it probably hurt in that moment, but less 
chronic long-term overall distress over time because you right. found some resolution by taking that responsibility. 100% right. And so I think this is a good place for us to take a break, Doc, because we're going to come back for part dose of the Doc's tips and tricks of how to be dealing with apologies. And I just want to say that I'm very, very sorry to you, Doc. I don't know what for yet, but it's a pre-apology. <laughs> I will write you a list after this. <laughs> Perfect. We'll be right back. And we are back, folks, for part two. After the apology. So, Doc, what are we talking about about after the apology here? This is where I'm not going to do it. I'll let you do it. Who's it? Was it extreme? Who's saying more than words? More, that was extreme. More than words. <laughs> all I ever need and you do. By the way, have you seen the Jack Black version when he does it with, uh, with, uh, oh, yeah. oh, Jimmy Fallon? Oh, it's, it's mm, hilarious. Delicious. Yeah, anyway, really continue. Funny. Anyway, we're really pulling out some uh, old school stuff. I know. Like, but, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. They really were living in the 90s. <laughs> Yeah, we have aged ourselves horribly. Just a little. Um, um, but um, so, yeah, more than words, right? So, like, apology often requires subsequent action. And this is the part of that title when I say apologies aren't magic. Just because you've constructed a really beautiful apology and you said some really lovely words and somebody goes, oh, thank you. Or maybe they haven't. Maybe they've been like, okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Like, you, you can't, that's the thing. Like life's not a movie, right? And emotions can't always be wrangled in that way. But a lot of times there is an expectation of maybe, and it depends on how big the hurt is. It depends on how deep your relationship is with somebody, right? Like, yep. so there's kind of a continuum of that, mm-hmm. but usually there requires some type of action. So one of the first things that I think is often like essential, especially if there's been a bigger hurt, is this a, is is patience, right? So a lot of people need a little patience. <laughs> I should have never gotten started. Sorry, no, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm back. I'm in it. it. I'm here. I'm wet. I'm, I'm ready. Um, Let's go. But that also is a great song. That's Guns N' Roses, right? That's right. Well done. Okay. Continue. Uh, <clears throat> Child of the eighties and nineties. Okay. <laughs> so, um, like, you know, this is what I mean. Like, just because you said you're sorry doesn't really a lot of times we are, and I think Jeremiah, maybe you can contest to this. We're fixers. Yeah. We like to fix a thing. Yep. And we like to have an immediate result. Yes. hundred percent. That's right. why if this was uh, just a Jeremiah podcast, it'd be the university of how to fix it for pleasure. Like it'd be like, it would fix it would be in the title doc. If you weren't here, I'd be like, right. and each episode would be three minutes long. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like that old Mad TV Bob Newhart sketch where he's a therapist and yes, you remember this? Yes. And like everybody, it's probably on YouTube. People can watch it if you haven't seen it. It's hilarious. Bob Newhart, what a treasure. Yep. But he's a therapist and the client comes in and is like, I'm having a problem with ABCD. He's like, I think I have something for that. Stop it. Yeah, <laughs> don't do like it anymore. Every, <laughs> yeah, just like every complaint the person has, he's just like, so stop it. Right. <laughs> um, and the joke is, it's usually not that easy. That's right. right. This is a little so, more complicated, Doc. Yes, yes, it's the gray areas I've learned here at the University of Pleasure. Continue, please. <laughs> so sometimes, right, again, you can do all the stuff in part one, right? You can have like a beautiful apology. It looks amazing. It sounded amazing. And sometimes even the partner was like, that was, thank you. But especially if the hurt's a bigger one, that hurt, that pain might not just now disappear, right? right? So a lot of times, and again, especially if it's a little bit bigger of a hurt or maybe it's about like an ongoing like collection of hurts in a relationship. So what I mean by is like a ongoing conflict or like trend, Mm -hmm. people might not be able to just be like, okay, that was a good apology. Now I'm over it. So when I say patience, I mean, this is hard for people <laughs> because a lot of times oh, I see this in, in couples work a lot. You know, I don't even, I mean, you'll probably, I mean, the phrase sort of like, I've already apologized so many times. What more do you want from me? Right. right. Like that, oh yeah. Ooh, that was right? on the tip of my tongue right there. Woo. Right. I've already apologized. What, you know, and so it's sort of this sense that like an apology has happened. So this should be good. We should be good. 
And that's not a realistic expectation, especially if you know that come the hurt on. is bigger. Uh, What'd you say? I you said, say, come, come on. on. <laughs> like, the apology's not good enough. Uh, <laughs> and you're still dealing? Well, and, come on. And here's why the patience piece is important. And I'll talk at the end about, like, what if someone really just is not ever taking your apology? I'll, I'll, we'll wait till the end to talk about that. But Thank God. It is... It is really easy to undo a beautiful apology by getting super irritated with someone for not being over it right away, right? You could construct the world's best apology, but if like, I don't know, the next day they're still a little salty and you're like, I apologized, what more do you want from me? Well done, <laughs> well done. Now, right? right and don't right. get me wrong, I know that that often comes from a feeling of maybe like helplessness sometimes to like change or to fix it, right? And that, desire for things to be okay and those are all very human things but it is a common trap yeah and i am here to say beware, beware. <laughs> don't fall in that trap right and if it's a big big hurt so like we did we've done you know episodes on infidelity yeah right? yeah if it's a big big hurt you might need a lot of patience right yeah. you might need to you know sometimes and sometimes like you might need to also like, while someone else is really working through, you know, there are lots of big hurts, right? Uh, infidelity is one of them. And there yep, can be yep. all sorts of betrayals or things that in, in we would call them like relational wounds, right? In sure. my business, right? There are uh -huh. all sorts of bigger wounds. And just like, you know, like I think of like, you can get a little cut and that can heal really fast, right? But there are certain injuries that just take longer to heal and you right. can't rush them. And if you try to rush them, it's going to break it worse, right? It's going to make yeah. the problem worse and the wound more problematic. And the same is true <laughs> of healing an, a relational wound. And so sometimes you might also need to support, right? In practicing your patience, right? Like I think the more pressure somebody puts on someone to like just get over it already, the longer that clock then starts yeah. to take out. And I'm not just talking about infidelity, but any kind of big hurt, big yeah. Big thing. Yeah. Especially if you know that you made an error and yeah. you do legitimately know that it probably maybe breached trust or security in the relationship somehow. Right, 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 right. So, um, uh, this is kind of a little bit uh, the same piece, but just more uh, uh, about fixing. All right. Sometimes you just need to listen and be present. All right. Not everybody, we've talked about this before, but this is really true of apology. After the apology, you don't have to keep just being like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, at a certain point, your sorries might become relatively meaningless, Ooh, right? Burn. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you say it so many times, doesn't mean nothing. Doesn't mean anything, because it's not the person's heard your I'm sorry, but that hurt was bigger than the I'm sorry, right? Ooh. The hurt, the wound is bigger than that. Got it. And so a lot of times people have to figure out how to express their regret or remorse in different ways. And sometimes that's just being present for somebody, meaning somebody might say, I'm still feeling really upset about that. And then going, I can understand that. I can right. see why you would still feel upset. Or like, you know, I want to be present for you. Like, is there anything that you do need for me? Sometimes people just need to say out loud, like, I'm still feeling upset about this. And that's all right. they need. Right. But people's impulse sometimes is to be like, well, what can I do to fix it? Right. And the other person is going, there is no fixing it. I just need to say it or I just need to express it. And I just need time. Right. And so sometimes it's about negotiating that differently, because if you keep just going the route of I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And now, now, you know, like it's just it doesn't have meaning. It's not landing. A lot of times this is where we talk excessively. So with the communication about what does this other person feel like they're needing from you and asking, do you just need me to listen? Should I just like when in doubt, ask somebody. Ask, just ask. You gotta ask the question. If you wanna really right. know, you gotta take the time and ask, which can be scary. But yeah. should definitely do it. Should definitely do it. And ask. a lot of times some people just need time. Yeah. They need time. But they also need you to be present, right? Mm -hmm. In their time. Not yep. like you this is part of the extended version of taking responsibility, right? Yep. Being present is also another way to express responsibility. Yes. Nobody loves eating crow for long extended periods of time. That is not a comfortable thing. But like even just sitting with someone while they're distressed 
and sharing in that distress with them and saying like, I know, and I'm, and I'm here. That is another way to take responsibility. But if you hide, and people do, people often will hide because they feel bad. They maybe feel ashamed. It depends, again, how big the hurt was or how big a betrayal or whatever it is you're apologizing for was. People will run away. They'll avoid. And then that makes the other person feel more alone. And guess what they're not getting over? Any faster. You're really extending the stay at Hotel Misery for all parties involved. Yeah, right. Okay. so this is, uh, I will say this uh, as we're I'm starting to round down here. This is one more time for the cheap seats. So again, that means you need to manage your emotions. <laughs> what I mean by that, <laughs> I really, I really can't emphasize this enough, right? Especially in these bigger hurts, these bigger wounds. If you are struggling to tolerate your partner's distress, you need some support in that. Maybe it's therapy. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's you journaling, right? There's a million different ways. But like, if you can't show up for it, again, it is really going to sustain often, not always, but it's often going to sustain the problem. Um, so this kind of final one here is, is really what you were leading in with right away, Jeremiah. It's like your behaviors to a degree do need to match your apology and your commitments, right? Yeah. This yep. is when I, when I say like, don't apologize if you don't mean it. I also would extend that to say, and don't make commitments you don't, you don't like, plan on keeping right oh man yeah people do that all the time all the time (laughs) when they're apologizing because again they just want to get the conflict over and i can get it i can respect it i totally get why it happens but it really then people feel lied to misled you didn't mean what you said so if somebody's like i promise i'm gonna start being home more on time but if you don't really have any intention or you don't have any skills as to how to do that yeah don't make the commitment I would say instead be like, I really want to do that for you. I think I need more help in figuring out how to do that. Right. That you can still be loving and kind, but like, I wouldn't sign up for things that you don't. I mean, I've had people be like, I like that are struggling. Like this again is a more, maybe um, a different sort of variance that maybe is more on the more tricky end of the spectrum. But like I've had clients in the past uh, that have maybe struggled with like, um, sexual compulsivity or really Mm -hmm. controlling their sexual behaviors. And that's resulted in like repetitive infidelity Yeah, where they're telling somebody and making all these commitments. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen again. And then the next day, right. Or like a week later they're back, you know, because the struggle is much bigger. Right. Right. And that's, that's by the way, that's something you should get support with bigger support. Probably. Go, go, go talk to somebody. That's a scenario. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I think honestly, to your point, Jeremiah, if you if you turn around and you do the exact same thing that you just apologized for, your your words will carry less and less meaning. And if you're struggling to follow through with it, then try to be honest with your partner about that. So this is the kind of final piece here is really like, what do I do if someone just doesn't accept my apology? Even after I've done all the above. All right. Right. I've said things, I've tried to take responsibility, I've tried to be present. Well, just as some people really struggle with giving apologies and and being good at apologies, some people really struggle with forgiveness and letting go and like really hold on to a thing. And the reality is, and I don't say this to like be depressing, but sometimes there are some hurts that some people just can't get over or they just can't let go of. Um, I don't think, and again, people might have some different opinions about that. This is just mine. But I don't think it's sustainable to be held hostage for a mistake in the relationship forever. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. Right? Like, it's one thing to take responsibility for it and make efforts. It's another thing to be punished for it in perpetuity. Right? Yeah. And sometimes some people really, really can't find a way to let it go or to move past it. And that's sometimes when really difficult decisions maybe need to be made about the fit of that relationship. And that sucks. And that's hard. And side note, that would be when I would probably encourage people to get more support. Um, But that's also a real thing, right? Because sometimes people are giving really good apologies, taking really good um, responsibility and, and, and working through and, and, and being very genuine and sticking to them and being consistent. And sometimes the person you're apologizing to just make you know maybe the hurts just they're having their own set of they're having their own set of struggles and it's not about you know you couldn't have done it any better it's just the set of circumstances that you're dealing with at that point in time so you know good on you for trying i guess we would say doc (laughs) but uh you know it may not 
remember it's a two-way street in a relationship right so you know. yeah and and to a certain degree there has to be space for people to and i understand there's gradients of mistakes but there has to be space for people to make errors and to be i guess to a certain degree forgiven or to be able to like move through those errors because and, and don't get me wrong, sometimes it's because of a really big hurt, but I've also worked with couples in which somebody's struggling to let go of the tiniest of seeming infractions. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right, yeah. And like there's maybe some perfectionism that's being applied to the other person that's maybe not quite doable yeah. from a long-term standpoint. And that's when I think it's time to go, can I, is this being fair to me now right. in the relationship? Right. And that's so. what we always say, get support, go find someone to like the doc to talk to so you can get somebody to give you a little bit more guidance. If you're struggling, the apology hasn't worked or somebody can't forgive and vice versa. Just, you know, as the doc always says, don't don't wait until it's so rough that, you know, you're, you're, you feel like your relationship's at death's door and then go talk to somebody. If the struggle is yeah. real, go see somebody before that because yes. it'll be helpful. And uh, you'll be able to do it with a clear mind and a clear heart. And that's what we're all about here at the University of Pleasure is trying to get the help that you need and reminding you that people like Doc are out there and they can help you through these types of things. I just feel very awkward about this whole episode as if my friend the Doc here was listening through my Alexa or something. I don't know what is <laughs> it's like, were you listening to what happened in my life recently? I don't know what. <laughs> It's all good. It's just a little am strange. I, am I like tapping on a recent event in your life? No, or I mean, I, you know, I mean, maybe I don't know. Listen, I don't want to talk about it. This is not about me. This is for you know fans, what we okay? said. You can take some time to process. You, I'm, you know what? I need twenty four hours. I need twenty four hours to talk yeah. about this, and uh, then we can come and circle back around. Okay. Even though you would Sounds officially good. not be my therapist, you'd be talking to me as my friend, because that would not be correct in the world of therapy to have you be therapizing me and being friends. Sure. So. That being said, thank you for all that you do, Doc, for so many. And thanks for being such a great friend to me. And please don't spy on me anymore for episodes like these because <laughs> it's awkward. And uh, But I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful for what you do for so many. And uh, if you're really struggling out there and the apology hasn't worked, like we said, go find some help. Always better to find it before it gets even harder. Someone like Doc can help you through. So right. thank you all for yeah. listening. And Doc, I appreciate you. And we will be talking again next week. See you, bye. Bye. Oh, and uh, yeah. Oh, how could I forget my call sign, Doc? <laughs> Be kind to one another, everybody. It's hard out there. You know what I mean? Okay, one more <laughs> time, Doc. Bye. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me. Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.